All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 86, the Nikita Kucherov edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Frank Saravalli joining us today from uh, Florida. Frank, you got some sick decor in your uh, hotel room there, man. I really like that headboard you're rocking. <laughs> yeah, if you like the aging or aged hotel room, this is for you. Oh, that is awesome. Um, so tell us everything that uh, I was reading some of your comments on the board of governors. Now there's um, they, they've got some real strong policies that really have nothing to do with on the ice, more so off the ice and, and, and human development, I think might be the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I guess that's the best way to frame it is the NHL has, you know, put into place as of this week and it's a plan that was, um, you know, you enthusiastically approved by the board of governors that's going to be put in place to start a 90 minute mandatory training session on a digital platform for all players, coaches, team executives, staff, including ownership as well to go through to, you know, basically set the standard of here is what is unacceptable behavior. And you know, all the rest of it will continue to be in place. The NHL's hotline that they have that you can report, you know, poor behavior, whether it's, you know, sexual abuse or assault, racism, harassment, um, you know, anything that that pops up that, you know, people knows crosses that threshold, 
well, then, you know, it should be reported. So, you know, this program, the NHL is hoping to put in place by the first quarter of 2022 and, and be fully implemented throughout the league by the end of the season, the end of school year on June 30th. I guess my commentary to that would be like, one, it's kind of about time. Like, you know, you would think that in, you know, most corporate workplace environments, this type of training and stuff has been mandatory and in place for years and years. Um, but it's an important reminder. And one of the things that, that, um, you know, Kim Davis had mentioned the NHL senior executive vice president was it's a reminder that the locker room is still the workplace. So I think that's an important reminder for everyone, um, that everyone's always kind of thought, well, you know, what happens in the room stays in the room and, and this is what happens in hockey. Well, that's, that's not acceptable anymore. So that's one part of it. But my own personal thought is 90 minutes of training isn't going to wipe away 90 years worth of poor behavior that's been acceptable in locker rooms for a long time. So we'll see how much it changes. I think, you know, the big thing for the NHL is that this puts it front and center and creates a baseline so that no one can say after the fact, well, I was unaware, I didn't know. So it, it holds everyone accountable in that sense. And my understanding, Frank, they want to set one up for other leagues as well. Is that correct? After they get theirs. Yeah. yeah, After they get theirs in place um, after June 30th, they can begin to then roll out this similar or same training program to the AHL, ECHL, CHL, NCAA, all the different stakeholders throughout the hockey ecosystem is the buzzword here. Um, That's their plan. Yeah, well, I like it. It makes sense. Now, uh, what about on the ice, Frank? Are you expecting anything uh, to come as far as you know possible uh, recommendations or changes? Or is the main focus on the ice right now going to be about uh, the NHL's participation in the Olympics? Yeah, so that's that's going to be the focus today as as the second day of meetings kicks off. You know, the other part of of day one was uh, formally voting and approving. Uh, rubber stamping the sale of the Pittsburgh Penguins to the Fenway Sports Group. There was a big COVID update. Uh, lots of talk about protocol um, on day one. Lots of numbers shared uh, with the Board of Governors about you know where the league stands with regards to COVID protocol. And one of the big things that the league is, you know, I wouldn't say enthused about, but feels a little bit more comfortable with on the COVID front this season, as Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly explained, is the idea that a lot of the transmission that occurred because the league not only tests, but they also then break down the samples. They know exactly which strain is going through the locker room. And so last year, a lot of the transmission was player to player, either on the bench or in the dressing room. And you could almost sort of map it out based on where players sat. Well, now they're finding that most of the transmission that's occurring with the positive tests for players in these quote breakthrough cases has come from community transmission. And that would mean a player at a restaurant, a player at a party, a player at a family gathering that is then bringing it back into the team. Um, that makes it a little bit different. And so the league saying, well, we feel like what we're doing on the protocol level is working and we're in a good spot. Yeah. And that makes sense because the players are, are able to, to 
you know, socialize a little bit more, just like everybody in society this year compared to last year where they were really kind of locked down. So that that, that makes sense uh, in theory for sure. Um, do you th- do you think, Frank, the, you know, like I've I've kind of gotten I'm done with complaining about officiating because I don't <laughs> think officiating changes until the NHL and the GMs and the owners legitimately want change. Do you think there's an actual appetite for the simplest thing, which is enforcing the actual rule book? I don't. Honestly, it hasn't really come up in one conversation that I've had here. So I don't even think it's on the radar at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get to a few teams. The uh, Minnesota Wild won their eighth game in this uh, eighth in a row last year. They got the most points in the National Hockey League, and like they're a great story. Bill Guerin, I joked about it last week. He's done the impossible. He's made the Minnesota Wild an exciting franchise because for a lot of years they had the reputation of being this, you know, this kind of boring team. The only challenge is next year they got twelve million in dead cap space, and the following two they got fourteen. Do you do you get a sense? Do you think that like the Wild are obviously aware of this? Could they maybe even go for it more this year, knowing that the next three years are at a pretty dis- big disadvantage with all that dead cap space? I, I think so. I, I guess my, my answer to the question is I don't, when I look at their team, I'm not seeing any overwhelming holes. And that's really maybe the answer is, you know, maybe you look at the backup goaltender position, you know, perhaps Capo Kakinen. And I would have been surprised heading into the season, given how much interest there was in Capo Kakinen, uh, you know, potentially even on the, the expansion draft front is, you know, do they need a backup goalie? He was kind of sub 900 for a while. I haven't looked at his stats in the last day or two, but that would maybe be one hole. I'm, I'm not really seeing a ton, you know, even some guys that haven't been super productive, um, you know, Jordan Greenway hasn't gotten the, the points to pile up in the way that he would have liked. But if you actually watch the game, Jordan Greenway's played fine. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those odd circumstances. I'm not like, could they go for it? I don't know that they're that far off as currently constituted, I guess is the answer. Yeah, they're pretty good. Then on the, on the other side, you've got one team in your home city, the Philadelphia Flyers. They've lost six in a row. They're 0-8-2 and two in their last 10. Well, they've lost 10 in a row. They're terrible right now. And the, and the Islanders have only won one of their last 10. I talked about a three. I said, Frank, talked to me in three weeks. I didn't think it like the Islanders are done. So I'm very curious. And they don't have a ton of pending UFAs. You got Cal mm-hmm. Clutterbuck, but it's not like they got a lot of guys to trade off. Um, they actually, all the guys that they had from last year, they, they, basically brought them all back with the exception of Eberly, which kind of makes this spot that they're in a bit tougher. No, hundred percent. And then you look at the flyers. um, If what's, how long do you think it's interim coach for Mike? How long before they get their new head coach? I would have to think that the longer this goes on, the more that Chuck Fletcher is forced to make a move that I don't know that he necessarily even wants to do. Like I believe that Chuck Fletcher trusts Mike Yo, uh, believes in him and thinks that he can be, um, you know, a solid NHL coach. They worked together for parts of five seasons in Minnesota. And I don't even know then that the decision was made by Chuck Fletcher to fire Mike Yo. So I, I think that he'd like to give him a long runway, but the way that these losses are piling up, I think he might have to go out and hire someone just to try and, and steady things and, and right the ship. 
Yeah. Now, before we get to Tyler Ramchuk, um, I spoke to two players who are pretty much locks to, to go to the Olympics and I asked them mm-hmm. about that, the quarantine. And I was kind of surprised like, the players really want to go. Like the Olympics means a lot to them. And, you know, this the one guy told me goes, well, I've been triple vaxxed. Um, he actually had COVID before, didn't have any. So he believes that he's not going to get it because it, and he feels that they're going to be isolated, even though they're at the Olympics pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Do you so I listened to him and I'm like, well, I don't I don't see how they don't go. And this is somebody who's a lock to make the team. What's your sense from people you've talked to this week in regards to that three week quarantine, maybe being a deal breaker, if at all? Well, first off, we don't even know if it is a deal breaker because we're, we're waiting on the updated Olympic playbook from the IOC. And the big question that the NHLPA has had on behalf of the players and also the NHL itself, they, you know, they want the answer to, if you have it, there is the three week quarantine, but can we send a plane to come in and scoop you up a medical evacuation, a charter, whatever you want to call it. That's their thought process is, is that permissible? Can we get you out of the country if we need to? And we don't know the answer to that yet. So that could be a potential game changer, but I'll say this. I think the players are still steadfast in their yearn to go. And when you look at the way that this environment is, I think there's a lot of players that are concerned, but I think there's a big difference between being concerned and actually raising your hand and saying, I don't want to go. So those are two different things, but I want to throw this at you. And this is why the Olympic conversation is important for today's meeting at the board of governors is that three week quarantine. If it is ironclad, that might be a deal breaker for owners to step in and unilaterally say we're backing out because Mm -hmm. think of the worst case scenario. The NHL doesn't want to pause its season already. It's pausing for three weeks, sending its players halfway around the world to China. And what happens if there's a mass outbreak in the Olympic village that brings down you know, 60 hockey players with positive tests in the last days of the tournament. Then all of a sudden your season's supposed to resume. You've got 60, 80 players, whatever the number is, even if it's just one, one player that's, you know, these are all star players on their teams. What if it's one player that we're talking about or worst case scenario, mass outbreak where these guys are stuck in China for three weeks while the season is supposed to be started up and ongoing again, marching towards the trade deadline on March 21st and the stretch run of the season. It's the absolute worst case, most unpalatable scenario for the NHL. And I could see them saying, hold on a second. We were willing to sign up to send you to Beijing, but not under these circumstances. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how it goes down. I think the big risk is like the fans are so excited. They want to see the best on best. I think the players want to be there. I think the owners even themselves want to see it, but there is the business side of it at the end. So uh, lots to hammer out. They have to make a decision though, either way by January 10th, right? So they've got some time, basically a month today to, uh, to have some time to figure it out. So it'll be a fascinating uh, month, Frank, to see what goes on because the Olympics are a pretty big deal, even though it's not essentially like, you know, the NHL doesn't need it. But it definitely will benefit it for sure. Uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk for another uh, rip roaring edition of Buy or Sell. 
Yes, the people have been asking for it. They want another edition of, well, not buy or sell, it's fill in the blank because we switched the order after we missed oh, an episode. Right. Either way, it is brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong, order it in. I know uh, you know a good amount of our listeners are Love Canadian. It. The Grey Cup is coming up. You don't want to have to go cook food or go out and get food. DoorDash on Grey Cup Sunday. Come on, it's easy. Uh, let's jump into it though. The first one. I just want a one word answer for this question. That It's going to be tough though. Jacob Truba's two hits were blank. Jason? Clean. All right. Frank? Predatory. Woohoo. So I not oh, I didn't okay. say dirty. Yeah. But he's clearly hunting. Hunting for a big hit. Well, hunting. Um, yeah. Hunting for yeah. A big hit that, you know. It, it, the goal there should be to separate player from puck. I'm not certain that that's is actually the goal when you look at those two hits. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, but it, but to Jason's I point. I want to say that's way more than one word. <laughs> well, he had the you, one no, word. No, you asked for one word. I said predatory, and he asked for, for another follow-up. But by the rule book, Jay, you're right. Like They're, they're clean. They're clean as a whistle. Yeah. Does, it, does, it, does that mean that they should, should they be allowed, though? Is that, is that really where the game should be heading? Jason, well, I don't know if it's heading there. Like we don't see those hits very often. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he's skating to deliver a blow. And unfortunately, you know, both times the guys put their head down, like, and I'm not blaming the victim. I don't want people to freak out here, but everything happens so quickly. You're going to deliver a body check. And if all of a sudden the guy's there, like he kept all his elbows in, there was no chicken wing or anything. Like it's, it's hard to think what else he can do in that split second decision. Mm-hmm. I just, I, we had this talk and debate with Mike McKenna the other day on the daily faceoff show. And he was like, there should be a little more protection for players, even with their head down because they have to look down to get the puck. Like it's an inherent part of the game. So therefore there should be more protection. I just uh, think, you know, yeah. I, it was interesting to get the player's perspective yeah. of it to, you know, just to, to hear that part of it. They can't enforce their current rule book. We're going to add new rules. Trust me. It's not going to change. <laughs> Fair. Uh, my favorite thing when we sent out the clip of Mike talking about it is there were people in the replies going, oh, sounds like a guy who's never played the sport before. And I was like, what do you, what are people, do they know who this is? Anyways, uh, our guest coming up is going to be Ducks head coach, Dallas Akins. And his team right now is on pace for 102.5 points in the regular season. The Ducks will finish the season with blank points. Frank? 95. Woo. Jason? You know what, man? I give the Ducks a lot of credit. They just keep mm-hmm. hanging around. They won in Columbus. They're without Getzlaff. Although, you know, I think uh, he's coming back soon. But the Frank's number, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be original. I'm going to say 94. I think he's right around there. The Ducks are competitive. You pulled the old prices right on Frank there and just went uh, $1 lower. Nice. Smart move. Uh, and I won't win. <laughs> oh, closest, oh, yeah. Yeah. You just totally screwed yourself. Don't play the prices right, Jason. Uh, third one we got here. Uh, the team in the NHL that needs to make a shakeup next, whether that's a trade or a firing or whatever, is blank, Jason. Ooh. Well, I can go, I can go with the low-hanging fruit and say the Flyers of the Islanders, but that's too easy, so I'll avoid them. I'm going to say... Um, the Boston Bruins, oh, they need, <laughs> they need a, they need a second line center. It can help because you know what? They've got their top line going. What are they? 26 in the NHL and five on five goals right now. Um, that's like their defense is good. 
but that that's a tough recipe. So I'll go with the Bruins. You bastard. I was going to say the Bruins, but for a different reason, no Bruce Cassidy on the trip. Bruins get the win. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. I've just wondered, you think back to the friction with Bruce Cassidy and Jake DeBrusque, I think at a certain point, Bruce Cassidy wears on his players. And I really wonder if, if it'll be time for a change at a certain point. And what did Jake DeBrusque do last night in Edmonton? Score goal. And he actually almost had a couple more. He had a really, really good game. Uh, Last one. It's the points bet bonus question. I'm over on points bet right now. I'm looking at the odds to win the Rocket Richard trophy. This is something that McKenna and myself also talked about on the Daily Faceoff show. The odds on favorite right now is Leon Dreisaitl at plus 175. It then goes Ovechkin at plus 300. McDavid at plus 500. And then Matthews at plus 750. My question to you guys, the winner of the Rocket Richard trophy will be blank. Jason? So it's who am I winning, not who would I bet? Because if I was for betting right now, obviously the, the, the Matthews odds are yeah. just the best. Because yeah, the value is on Matthews, but who yeah, do you think is going to win? Sure, but uh, I'll stick with the, the, you know, the lazy pick, the guy who's leading right now, the guy who's got the most goals in the NHL combined over the last four seasons is Leon Dreisaitl. So uh, I will stick with the... Uh, with the Deutschland dangler. The Deutschland dangler. I, I don't know that I've ever heard that before. Maybe really? I'm just, yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is my bet slip right here. Uh, I did bet on Austin Matthews before the season started to win the rocket at plus two fifty, okay. plus seven fifty. I am running to the window. You could probably cash that out for a decent little chunk right now too. If you got it at plus two fifty, and he's all the way down to seven fifty. I, I mean. Yeah, I, I had said it for a while. When you look at the start of the year, he was quiet. And I was like, even as quiet as he's been for his standards, he was like one four goal night away from being in the top five and scoring. He had a hat trick that followed shortly after. And he's right up there again in fourth or fifth. Uh, and, and he's done it at the exact time to your point that Ovi and, and some others have gone a little bit quiet and you're going, okay, this is Matthew's window to run in here and, and at least be tied in short order to the point where then it's just a race to the finish and Matthew's scores as good as anyone. And you're thinking that maybe Ovi slows down a little bit uh, as the season wears on, especially with the Olympics. How great for the sport would it be if none of them slowed down? And we got three guys that are like chasing 60 and just neck and neck. I think it would be like, like the baseball home run. We, so, so we were kind water, of right? heading there actually in the shortened season that ended due to COVID. We had a bunch of guys at like 48, 49, right around That's there. That were, Matthews. Yeah. And Ovi, it was the three of them. I think they ended up tied um, or, or something like that. I forget what the exact numbers are, but it was like, they were on track to get to the high fifties, maybe 60 before the season got shut down. Perfect. That's going to put a wrap on another edition of fill in the blank brought to you by DoorDash. And uh, we talked about it in those, in that question, the Anaheim ducks uh, continue to roll and uh, we're excited to have their head coach, Dallas Aikens join us now on the rundown. Our next guest is in his fifth season as a national hockey league coach. He played pro hockey for six years and has also been behind an AHL bench for eight seasons. The DFO rundown is pleased to welcome the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, Dallas Aikens. Dallas, how are you? Excellent. You? Really good. Thanks. And thanks for joining us. Uh, I got to start here since it's so timely. Um, 
take us through your view of the Trevor Zegris goal, which is kind of saying something in and of itself because he didn't score the goal yet. That's all anyone's talking about and calling it at this point, as we all struggle to come up with a name for it. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I'm just like everybody else. I think it, it was one of those, uh, I saw him go down to pick up the puck. I watch not only him, but these guys do it in practice all the time, just when they're skating around the ice. And when he, I thought he was going to go for that Michigan play and suddenly he tossed it over. And I think he just read the play. Like he, he read that, uh, the D man was uh, about to box him out. So he just threw it over and Sonny, that was two games in a row where Sonny had knocked one out of the air and into the net. Um, but those two, they, they don't seem to surprise us anymore. It's, it's almost expected that Z is going to make a, a, at least one highlight play uh, during the game. And uh, Sonny is usually riding shotgun with him. So you talked about those guys not surprising with their creativity and their talent, but I think if we're being honest, everyone is probably looking at the standings today, you know, almost mid-December, the Anaheim Ducks are right there. You know, in terms of your role and, and what you've seen, what, if we're looking from afar, what's, what's the secret sauce? Obviously, there's some confidence now with your young players that have taken another step, but what's been, what's been the secret to your team's success this year? Well, it's been a number of things. And number one, let's be clear, it has very little to to do with me, right? My role has been minimal. Uh, First for me, I thought our goalie, John Gibson, uh, set a great tone in camp. I I know some people kind of look sideways uh, at his comments, saying that some people in our organization had accepted losing. Uh, He called a spade a spade, and uh, that was just... Uh, great, great comments uh, from a, a, a good leader to really set the tone, uh, you know, for the season. Uh, everything that you see going on here is player driven uh, uh, from our vets who who have uh, not only played very well, but led very well. And, and our younger players either coming into their own or getting better every day. Um, and the, the third ingredient is just an incredible staff, you know, Jeff Ward, Newell Brown and Mike Stellers uh, have just done an, a, an amazing job coming in here from three different organizations and, uh, helping put in a system of play that, that is, uh, been very complimentary to our players. Dallas, I don't know how much or how close you watch the NBA or not, but Steve Kerr many years ago, uh, you know, he's talked about it as a coach. He had to really change his mindset. Steph Curry was doing things that no one had really done before and were kind of unorthodox and and he allowed it. And, you know, his players say it's great for you. You know, you you've, you've not that your team doesn't work hard, but the creativity factor. Ha- have you had to maybe lessen up from the old school thinking a little bit to, to the new players and that, you know, they're trying all these things in practice. Have, have you had to alter how you view the game a little bit as a coach to let them be more than, than maybe what you were used to growing up? Yeah, I think it, uh, my, my generation of player, uh, I, I think if something you see some of these goals uh, that are scored, uh, we would have taken great offense uh to something like that. Um, it, and, but now like just seeing what these kids can do with the, with, with the puck and, and, uh, how, how skilled they are. 
there, there, there's still a lot of people out there that, that don't like it. And, and I don't understand that thinking. Um, we, we are a sport, we are competitive, we are here to win, but we are, we are here to entertain too. P- people work hard uh, for, for their money. They, they're going to put their money into some form of entertainment and that they come to a rank to, uh, to be entertained. That, that's part of it too. Now, I don't have much entrance, uh, interest in becoming the, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters. But if we can make skilled plays at, at the right time, uh, bring people out of their seat, uh, then, then so be it. Like that play the other night by Z, yeah, the, most of the time you'd be passing the puck on the tape to the slot. He just got the puck to the slot in a different way. Um, and, and we're going to encourage that at, at the right times. So as a coach, and Frank talked about it, you know, fifth year in the NHL, but you've been coaching for a long time, uh, Dallas. Players evolve, you know, very few guys, their first few years in the league are as good as they're, you know, in their middle stages of it. How have you evolved as a coach? How is Dallas Aikens different today than you were when you came into the NHL or even in the American League as a head coach? Well, two things, I think, uh, and I think they kind of go hand in hand is uh, uh, I listen way more and, and I delegate way more. Uh, um, I, I really trust the, uh, the, the players first. Uh, that's one thing we're really trying to do here now is make this a players first, uh, organization. We, we really believe that Anaheim should be a, a destination place, uh, for, uh, free agents for, for players wanting to come play here. We we've got an unbelievable, uh, climate, uh, amazing facilities, uh, and we're a team that we think really is going to be on the rise in the next few years. Um, and so like from a coaching point of view, it's the, you know, listening more to everyone around you, but most importantly, listening to the players uh, that I always think that they're the smartest guys in the room. Dallas, can you give us an example? You mentioned, you know, you're willing to delegate more now and obviously you're, tr- you trust your staff. What's something today that you delegate that, you know, in your previous run as a head coach, you might've wanted to have your fingerprints all over. Well, I, I always thought it was important that the, you know, you, you really had a strong opinion on, you know, wh- whether it's systems or the power play or the penalty kill um, that the, the, the head coach had to run practice. He had to be heard in all the meetings and, you know, I've really, kind of stepped away from that the you know especially this year like you know i've got uh two assistant coaches who have won stanley cups uh who have more experience than me uh another coach that's won calder cups and i've uh coached against him head to head in the american league who has more experience than me and even though i am the head coach i'm very very interested in in what they have to say and with their with their experience so a lot of these meetings, you know, take our power play, for instance, you know, our power plays really struggled for the past four years. Like I, I had been here for two, the previous two years of power play had really struggled. And I tried to step in and help and, and do the best I, I could with it. And I don't think I've said two words in a power play meeting. Now I am abreast of everything that's going on. Um, but I've left that power play to, to Jeff Ward, who is the, 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 the man running it and, and Newell Brown is, is uh, riding shotgun with them. And I trust those guys and what they see that they, they run all the meetings. And a lot of times I, I, 
I'll just step out of the meetings. I, I think it's important for the, the head coach not to be around in, in some instances. So that, that's kind of an example there. You mentioned listening. We, we talked a little just now about strategy. Your title says NHL head coach, but especially with everything that happened this year, um, you know, with what your team's been through, your general manager suddenly departing, um, your team didn't miss a beat. How much should, you know, therapists also be added to your title? Because, you know, it, when you're in conversation and you're listening, that's got to be a big part of what you're doing every day and talking and communicating to players. Yeah, we've had our share of adversity here over the last few years. And, but, but I've always thought that that is the responsibility of the head coach. It, it's, you know, I know no one really talks much about it, but the, the amount of conversations uh, as a head coach that you have with players one-on-one, you have with parents, you have with agents, you have with, with, with staff members, St- staff members are going through life as well. And, and I think it's really important to be in uh, a very good listener uh, I, I think you have to be very um, thoughtful uh, with your advice. And, and I think you have to be highly protective of, of all your people. And so, you know, as a head coach, there is a, a lot of managing that's going on. Like, you you know, you're managing a 23 to 25 man roster. You, you've got a full staff of a, a, uh, athletic therapists, assistant coaches, travel people. And they're all part of your, uh, your, your team. And, and it is uh, the responsibility, at least I think it is, of the head coach to, to look after not only the players, uh, uh, but, but everyone. Dallas, uh, there's always a saying, many people in the NHL, there's winning and there's misery and there's really nothing else. Um, obviously, you guys are winning right now. You talked about how you're doing less than you did in the past. Are you a better coach because of it? Do you feel like you're, you're more fresh? Like there's, there's maybe not as much, you haven't taken everything on personally. Does that make you in, in, you know, a better coach? Do you feel you're just in a better position now because you're not pulled in so many directions? Yeah, I'll tell you what, that, that, and I used to really believe in that there's hey winning and there's misery and I don't buy into it at all. Now it, okay. it's, it, it's, we, we've really taken the approach here, two words, win today. And that, that has really nothing to do with two points. Uh, it, it has everything of like waking up this morning in Pittsburgh. We have practice at 12 o'clock. That's all we're thinking about. It's like, we're going to get better today. We're going to find some way to win this day. So it, it's up. We're going to eat properly, get our proper rest, have a great practice, you know, uh, hang out together this afternoon, have a good dinner, get a rest again, and then we'll deal with the the game tomorrow. And I I think we're really fast to really beat ourselves up, uh, beat our players up, uh, have a black cloud, follow your, follow you around uh, when you're not winning. And all that does is it usually equals more losing. And, And so we've been able to just kind of pick ourselves up, after a game, hey, last night we didn't play very well, but we're not going to come in here and and slam doors and kick garbage cans and, and make everyone feel miserable. We're going to go, okay, here, here's two areas we need to be better in. Here's four areas that we were great in. And, and uh, so we, we've kind of taken that mindset uh, this year. Our players are all in on it. Uh, there's been times this year where we haven't won in, in a number of days, but you would have never known it. But because if we didn't win, 
okay, we, we moved on to the next day. And, and that whole approach of just winning today, uh, I think it's a good way to live your life as well. Dallas, the young guys, Troy Terry and, and Zegris and Drysdale, get, are getting a lot of talk, as they should. Can you talk about the importance, though, of a healthy Manson and Lindholm? And what, and what a difference that's meant to your team, not just defensively, but overall having those guys back. Well, I'll tell you what, the first two years that, you know, I've been privileged to be the, the head coach here, uh, those guys not in the lineup meant we, we were uh, swimming upstream uh, a lot. And so those guys being healthy, Cam Fowler being healthy, um, has meant a, a whole lot to our team. Um, you know, it's always fun when you're in a rebuild because there there is such great focus on your young players. Uh, you know, young players bring hope. Uh, you're looking towards the future. But everyone forgets our vets here. It's not like our vets are all 38 years old. It's we, We've got some guys right in their prime and, and right in their wheelhouse. And our veteran players, uh, for me, they have driven the bus here. And that starts with our captain, uh, John Gibson is right beside him, uh, 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 pushing this along, but like the Adam Henriques, the Raquel's, the Silverbergs, Manson, Fowler, Lindholm, Shattenkirk, like you can go right down the list. You know, the, these guys have played incredibly well. Uh, they've really set a, 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 a high standard. They've got great values. Like the, these are guys that you, you wish that they were your, your son-in-law. So we, we've got a real great mix of uh, players here. And we're just trying to build here that in the next two or three years that, you know, we, we are the real deal. And, and we're in the conversation of, of, of winning each and every day. I think you've been in the conversation of winning this year because you've done it in a lot of different ways this year. Is that something that stands out to you when you watch your team? It's not necessarily the same guy every night that's producing and getting you to win. Yeah, we you know, you go down and look at our scoring. We got a lot of guys in double digits and uh, points. And so that that's really important. Um the, the other thing that, you know, I think people always look at points. It's on any given night late in the game, you're, you know, you're protecting a lead or the team's got their, their, their goalie out. It'll be somebody different that lays down and eats a puck, uh, you know, blocks a shot, uh, makes a big play. And then there's nights like last night, you know, Jeff Ward said it after the second period. He goes, hey, we're, if we're going to be a team uh, that that's going to be at the top of the standings, uh, it's nights like tonight when we're not playing well, the score is even that we, we just got to find a way to win the game. Like this is one of those nights. And it was so true. We, we found a way last night. It was John Gibson who uh, did his part for, for his teammates and our organization held us in there and got us through the shootout and we were able to score a couple goals. So you're, you're right, Frank, it's, it's different people every night scoring. It's different people uh, making big defensive plays. Some nights it's our goalie and some nights it's just being good in the shootout. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your vets and, and the job that Ryan Getzlaff has done this year as your captain. What's been the difference? Why is he way more productive this year than last year? I, I think it just started with a, a different mindset. And, you know, we, we've done a lot of things differently this year from, 
the way we trained, the way we practice, the way we've pushed, the the the, the way we we we've rested. Um, uh, I thought it was important this summer to put a lot of that uh, on their plate um, when we want to travel. And I go back to that making this organization into a player's first organization, a place that people want to come play and be a part of. And and, and I think of you know, by putting a lot of those things on their plate, uh, really getting their input into it. I, I think that they, they felt that they were important, that, uh, we were going to look after them first. And with that comes, a, a, a unity, a, a, among them that, that they're going to work extremely hard, uh, for each other. Um, they're not going to go out there and play for the team. They're going to go play for each other. And, and I, and I think when you, you see that happening and, and I do see it here happening, um, you end up winning more games than you're going to lose. So wait, just to ask a quick follow-up, you actually have your vets pick when you fly and pick maybe your practice schedule. Well, I, it's really simple. I, I just, I sat down with Ryan and then Ryan took it to, uh, the, the, the captains, uh, our leadership group at the start of the year. And I just handed them a schedule and, they, and I said, uh, you know, when do you want to leave uh, on these trips? Do you want to leave two, like we left two days early on this trip. Um, we, when, it, when we're coming up to the month and we've got to give them their mandatory days off, there's four, that's not even enough. So uh, I just ask them, what days do you guys want off? Like wh- where, what days do you want off? And we still sprinkle in a, a couple of extras uh, here and there. Um, they're fully aware of days where they know uh, on the schedule, like, hey, we, we've got a practice coming up. That's going to be a push day. And, they, and it doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, we, we've lost a bunch in a row uh, or we've won a bunch in a row. That, that day is circled to get the heads up uh, ahead of time. That's going to be a push day. And, and it's the same the other way too, Frank. And I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble as coaches is uh, the opposite way. Maybe you've got that day circled that, hey, we're going to practice, but we call them green days. It's going to be a green day. It's going to be a really light practice. But, oh, no, you've lost three in a row. Well, what do coaches usually do? Well, you you know, you're going to get your pound of flesh, right? You're going to go in there and kill them. And then you can't figure out why you didn't win your next game. So even though that day has been circled uh, uh, as a green day, and we've lost a couple of games, that day stays green. We, we, we need these guys to recover that day so they can be their best in the game. So we're, you know, we, we want to have a, a, you know, an organization and we want to have a, a, a philosophy that we can be one that's inspiring and, and accountable in, in the same breath. We can be demanding, but have fun. And a lot of people don't think you can have those words all together. But uh, we really believe that you can do that. And Dallas, you guys really haven't had a lot of practice. You've played the most games in the NHL thus far. Um, as the co- a lot of coaches talk about, you know, practice is the time where you can work on little things. Has, has your team and, and your approach um, to the mental side been better this year, do you feel, as a team, just because you maybe haven't had the amount of physical reps that, that you would compared to teams that have played, you know, three, four fewer games so far? Yeah, that's the big thing that... <clears throat> Everyone's always concerned about, you know, getting physical rest. And the one thing that's really come up to me over the last couple of years is, uh, especially with our travel schedule, it it is a challenging one, is the the mental rest. And so there's been a lot of days where 
you know, we will practice, but we might only put seven or eight guys on the ice and we'll go out and work on, well, little things that are big things in the game. Let's say we're going to go out and work on some board work or, you know, something like that. Um, or we put the whole team on the crack uh, on the ice and kind of designate here, here's what we need to work on. So we're literally on the ice 12 minutes and it seems like, well, you just practice for 12 minutes. What did you do? Well, we got done what we needed to get done. So it, it's a, it's a real fine line when you're playing this much. Um, I, I do believe in practice. Uh, I'm, I think if you practice the right way, you get great habits and practice, you get great confidence and practice. Um, if you're a really good practice player and a good practice team, then the games kind of look after themselves. Um, but with that comes a, a certain amount of physical rest and, and mental rest as well. You mentioned those kind of younger veterans that you have that have been very good for your team. One who who's healthy now again is Ricard Raquel. He's got eight goals in 16 games for you. I know he's missed 12 games due to injury. You know, he's, he's had some battles with, you know, health and everything the last few years. How different has he looked for you now that he's healthy again? And, And what is Ricard Raquel doing again now that maybe he wasn't able to in the last few years? Yeah, he, he's in incredible shape and, you know, we, we have a, a bike test that we do at the start of the year. And uh, while he was hurt, he got on there and you know, obviously he's training while he's hurt. And uh, he, he wanted to do the bike test again, which is kind of rare for a player to, uh, to jump in there and do it again. But he wanted to see where he was at and, and he just crushed it. Like it was incredible uh, what he did. So he's in incredible shape. The other thing that he's not doing is, man, like the poor kid would just beat himself up mentally, like when when things weren't going great. And I go back again to, you know, just win the day, win today. And if yesterday was a bad day, there's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, I I think he's really taken on that mindset and and really enjoying it and, and really pushing it forward. And for me, he's always the forgotten guy. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talk around Z, which is, you know, well-learned by Z. Uh, there's a lot of talk around Sonny Milano, who's never had a year like he's having now. Uh, but the, the glue of the, the, the line, the, the, the true leader on the line is Ricard Raquel. And, uh, he does a lot of things, right? Uh, he, he's a real good mentor to, to those two young men. Uh, and he's having an excellent season. How would Dallas Aikens do on the bike test? Uh, quite well. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you, you you keep yourself in pretty good, good shape. So where, where would you uh, stack I gonna, up? I was going to try to say something humble there, but when it comes to bike, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> awesome. I, I, What's I, I up? do very well with the, uh, uh, the Michigan play or the uh, alley-oop play. I would do very yeah. bad at that. <laughs> let's uh let's wrap it up uh with rapid fire okay dallas uh, we'd like to play rapid fire with everyone uh the only rule is you have to answer the question so uh here we go the first one have you tried the michigan in practice while your other players skate around absolutely not how come because they might see me try it and there'll be a huge laugh and they, they'll never stop bugging me because i not a chance. I can't even pick up the puck like that off the ice. I don't even know how they do it. That might be the reason to try it, though, to get a laugh. No? They laugh enough at me. Uh, we're good. <laughs> Have you and Zegris had a $100 bet on a face-off in practice? 
No, we haven't. You're gonna. Have I, to I ask wish you would. I wish you would. I might be able to take him down. <laughs> uh, we know you're a huge cycling fan. If you could be in one cycle race, which would it be? You know what? I, it'd be the one that I've already done ten times. Did it ten times in a row. Uh, I missed last year because we had uh, some uh, health problems in our our, our family. Uh, anybody that rides a mountain bike, go do the Leadville 100. It's in Leadville, Colorado. It's the second Saturday in August every year. It will change your life. So is it 100K of just like mountain terrain? What is it? Tell us about it. Yeah, it's 100 miles. It's actually 103 miles. Um, and it's an out and back. Um, you're, you start at uh, 10,250 feet of elevation. So the air is thin. Uh, there's a ton of climbing. And I think the least amount of time that I've ever done it in is about 10 and a half hours. So there is lots of uh, terrain. There's lots of climbing. There's some uh, bare or white knuckling descents. Um, but that town, that community, uh, that ride, uh, what you go through in a day, uh, I'm not fooling around. It'll change your life. Of your Ducks players currently right now, who would be the best cyclist? Geez, that's a... I, I would probably put my money on uh, Ricard Raquel. And not only is he strong, but he's, uh, he, he's strong-willed. Uh, and I, I think those great cyclists, they, they have to be so mentally tough to spend that much time on a uh, on a bike um but but i think ricard would be the man i'd be betting on okay uh you got a pretty good head of lettuce what's your go-to hair product uh whatever's kicking around in that dressing room okay um after a, a big winter if you're relaxing uh what is dallas aiken's uh beverage of choice alcoholic or non-alcoholic you know what? I just said this on the plane last night. Uh, uh, I was uh, telling uh, Mr. Shattenkirk, I drink three things. I drink black coffee, water, and Pinot Noir. And that's it. Okay, nice. Um, Dallas, in your career, who has been the one opposing coach you felt you've learned from the most on in-game management? Uh, Randy Carlisle. Uh, Randy, you know, I had the I was fortunate to play with Randy. Uh, I've coached with him in the same organization um, twice uh, in, in Toronto and here in Anaheim. I, I coached against him uh, in, in the NHL. And uh, for me, he, he was one of the best bench managers at, in the game. Uh, I've watched him destroy teams in, in playoff series. Have you ever used a quote from the Mighty Ducks? ever as a coach with the Ducks? I don't think so. Um, and I, and I, I should probably go back and watch the movie again because it's been a very, very long time since I've seen it. And uh, lastly, what should we expect next from Zegris? What's, what's the next thing that's going to wow NHL fans? Who knows? And, and I think he was really honest the other day. I, I saw one of his quotes where he said, uh, I'm not even sure what I'm doing out there sometimes. And, and I think that is really the truth. Uh, I, I think he's so creative that it's like the music's on, there's a beat, and he's just dancing to it.
And uh, I, I'm, I, I do believe that he doesn't know what his next move is, is going to be. Um, I, I look forward to more kids, uh, more players uh, doing what he's doing. I, I think it's just wonderful for our league. Well, it's amazing. I've already seen lots of videos online of kids under 10, uh, them and their buddies practicing the Zegris Milano play and going crazy when they score. So uh, I'm with you. Da- I think it's great for hockey. It led on Sports Center. A little bit more entertainment in the game and the league's better for it. Absolutely. That's it. Thanks for joining us, Dallas. I really appreciate it. Continued success with the Ducks. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Frank, it's really interesting. I, I knew Dallas, of course, when he came in as a head coach in Edmonton, and, and I talked to him about it, and he, he just learned so much. He, he's a lot calmer now, I think, is maybe the most accurate word. He's still intense and passionate about it, but he he's calmer. He's he's focusing on what he can, and, and it's really worked out. And, you know, he, I, I give him credit, his his power play, and he joked about it when, he, when I talked to him uh, earlier in the season. He goes, honestly, I've said nothing. I do nothing on the power play. I, I tried to help it last year and it did not work. And so he stepped away and it's worked. The Ducks power play, it was the league worst last season, like all time worst. And uh, this year, their power play has been quite effective. And you look at the Ducks, man, like they, I, I was keep waiting for them to fall, Frank, but they're not falling at all. No. Uh, and we've seen enough by this point to say, look, this isn't exactly a small sample size. This team has had adversity and hasn't gone the other direction. I don't see that team falling much in the standings. So um, for me, what stood out in the conversation was the idea that you can be collaborative, you can listen to your players, but then it also doesn't mean you're soft. And I, I think that was, you know, the point about scheduling practice and you know, we can't get ourselves into trouble where we've lost a couple games and all of a sudden you, you know, you, you, it's like the old parenting trick. Like you take back the toys that you gave them and you say, go, you know, go to your room. Hey, we're practicing today. You thought today was an off day. We're practicing. I can think back to the old, you know, the stories from Mike Keenan practicing on Christmas Eve, you know, just surprising the players. And it's like, that doesn't send the right message. It really doesn't, you know, you think you're being tough. You think you're, you know, driving home a point. And instead really they're like, this guy's an asshole. You know, why would we listen to him? Why would we want to buy in to, to what he's thinking or saying? So to hear that insight, I think to me is what really stands out as someone that has not just, you know, grown and has, you know, gotten more experience at this level, but someone that actually cares about the people that work for him and play for him. Uh, and the other thing, a little bit of a pitch man for the Anaheim Ducks. And while they want to be a destination place for a lot of people in the league, including some of their own free agents, which is something we'll have to talk about in the future. But you got guys like, you know, uh, Manson and Raquel and, of course, Lindholm. Those guys are all up. It's and, a big year. They'll want to keep them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, fun episode, Frank. Uh, enjoy Florida. Get the suntan lotion on. And uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.